I can't believe the crazy things he's saying and doing. He's so provocative. He's crossing every boundary. He's out of control. These are snippets from a recent conversation I was having with my spiritual director, someone I've known for years. My spiritual director doesn't direct so much as he listens deeply and asks good questions and helps me surface my own inner wisdom. I went on in this little rant. He's driving me insane. <laughs> he's, he's acting just like a seven-year-old. And for those of you wondering, it wasn't Donald Trump I was talking about or any of the things he's said or done in the past months. No, I was talking to my spiritual director about parenting <laughs> and about how I was feeling incredibly frustrated by my inability to be the parent I wanted to be to our seven-year-old son. I was getting triggered and unhinged as a parent by some of the things our seven-year-old was saying, and in that exchange, I noticed myself becoming a seven-year-old, <laughs> doing and saying things a seven-year-old would say and do. And I was talking that through with my spiritual director. I told him, I'm, I feel like I'm in this parenting battle, and I'm losing. Which means this, my, my seven-year-old is winning. And that's what it felt like. Anyway, I explained this, this dynamic. And I know some of you have been in this place, I imagine, that sense of battling, right? It's not the most healthy place to be, where you're kind of in this win-lose scenario with your children. Secretly, in, in this exchange I had with my spiritual director, I was hoping he would turn to me and with a you know, deep smile and compassion, he would just say to me, well, Clearly, you're doing everything right, and you're a great parent, and the problem is not with you at all. Like, you don't have things you could work on. He didn't say any of that, of course. He said to me, what if you think of your son as your teacher? What is he teaching you? What is he teaching you about your need to be in control? What is he teaching you about your fear? What is he teaching you about your deepest feelings that you haven't dealt with since you were seven? What kind of compassion can you find for this teacher, for yourself? And I had this moment where I was in two worlds. I was like, oh my gosh, the cliche, right? Children are teachers, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then, equally as strong, the other, the other like, side of the head moment of like, right, that's a whole reframe. That's a paradigm that actually helps me escape from this entangled, frustrated place that I'm in. So instead of imagining this battle, this kind of war with my son, my heart began to open a little bit to see and imagine some of the learning that might be available there. And it was that conversation about our seven-year-old son being a teacher that opened up my mind to sort of reframe and imagine all kinds of people as teachers. It opened up wide horizons about who could be a teacher for me. And I realized after this conversation with my spiritual director, that even though I think Donald Trump and I have very different values about walls and women and winning, <laughs> Donald Trump could be my teacher as well. And I'm learning some things from him, a lot of things. I can't share all of what I'm learning this morning, but I do want to share some of it. And before I get into what I'm learning from Donald Trump, I need to share with you a word about zero-sum games. And I'm sure 
uh, most of you are aware of zero-sum games, but this is at this, this, the core of what I'm learning. In a zero-sum game, there's a winner and a loser. You have someone who has the flag of victory planted deep in the ground and someone who has been you know, utterly defeated and has lost. You can't have two winners. A simple example of a zero-sum game is poker. So I say to Elaine, like, hey, let's play some poker. And you start with $50, and I start with $50, and at the end of the night, I have 70, and you have 30. So if you take my winnings, 20, and her losses, minus 20, and add those together, you get zero, zero-sum game. When applied to life, zero-sum thinking creates a worldview that suggests that in relationships, in interactions, in our government, in religious belief, and even in life itself, it, the zero-sum thinking suggests that you're either right or wrong. You're either a winner or a loser, that you're fighting over a pie. And if you do not have a piece of pie, whether that pie represents actual dessert or the right answer or belief, if you don't have a piece of the pie, then you are a loser. Zero-sum thinking isn't surprising in a world full of chaos and uncertainty. One of the ways that we human beings deal with that uncertainty and chaos is to claim that we understand the workings of the world, the mind of God, if you will, the how and the why of things. We keep the feelings of uncertainty at bay by claiming we have and we know with certainty what the answers are. We have the right answers. We're in the winner's circle. Everyone else, maybe not so much. On some level, that essential idea that we have the answers and other people don't, that is baked into this being human, isn't it? If you go back nearly 1,800 years, and Jared and I were talking about this in our worship team meeting this week, if you go back 1,800 years, you can find one of the early Christian church fathers, a man named Tertullian, who was writing about how he's imagining himself up in heaven, essentially a winner because he believed the right thing, looking down through this glass floor, this kind of glass floor he's on, looking down at all of the losers burning in hell. We might cringe at that. I'd cringe at that. But if I'm honest with myself, if we're honest with ourselves, there is a piece of our heart at times that just likes to be right, to be a winner, isn't there? So flash forward to right now. For Donald Trump, what I see is that this zero-sum mentality is clearly at the heart of his worldview. There are winners and losers, and you better be a winner. I just learned, uh, and Jared was my companion in this learning, I just learned that Donald Trump put out a game in 1989 called Trump the Game, and which <laughs> says something, right? <laughs> and the tagline is, it's not whether you win or lose, it's whether you win. <laughs> that's, that's, that's his worldview. That's the worldview. When Trump talked about Senator John McCain, he said he's not a war hero. I like people who don't get captured. Later, Trump said that he supported McCain's 2008 campaign, but he lost, and I never much liked him after that because I don't like losers. Last December, Jimmy Kimmel had Donald Trump on his show, and Jimmy shared with Donald Trump a children's book he'd ghostwritten for Donald Trump. And the book was called, I'll just share a little bit of this, the book was called Winners Aren't Losers. 
and it was written with pictures and words in the spirit of Dr. Seuss. So the book opens with a cartoon picture of Trump standing on a Trump Tower, shouting down to the wide-eyed children below him, saying, winners aren't losers, they're winners like me. A loser's a loser, which one will you be? A few pages later, you see a picture of a doghouse with foreclosure tape all around it, and Trump saying, this dog is a loser, and frankly, I pity it. This dog did bad deals. This dog is an idiot. It goes on and on. What I need to say to you is I can be competitive when it comes to playing games. Ask the staff how I am at our staff bowling parties. <laughs> I like to win. But what I'm learning from Trump is how antithetical, how disconnected from reality this winner-loser, zero-sum paradigm really is. Think about this for a moment. If you're partnered, or if you're married, or if you have a close, close friend, consider that relationship. There's rocky places, there's hard places, it may be in a really hard place, but for many of us, at the heart of a marriage or partnership or committed relationship, I would guess that there is a deep and abiding sense that at the core of that, it is not about winning and losing. For most of us, most of the time, there's no scorecard we're keeping tally on, chalking up you know, your wins and your partner's losses. No one ever in any healthy relationship said very often, victory for me! <laughs> Suck it up, loser! <laughs> and we do sometimes and we realize how damaging that is to our relationships. The wisdom of the spirit, the wisdom we learn from the ancient teachers and guides around us suggests that when a marriage or a partnership is strengthened, when that third body that Robert Bly points to, to when that third body is strengthened, when the marriage or relationship or commitment is strengthened, that's the win. A marriage or partnership is built on compromise, on wanting one another to thrive. It's built on thrashing through those difficult moments. There's not a win-loss column. And it's this way for so much of life. As Rama pointed out in her call to worship, you can be a professional woman and a mother at the same time. It's not a zero-sum game. Nor is raising children a zero-sum game. If you have children, you know that when you have a child, it doesn't mean there's less love for your partner. There might be less sleep, there might be less time together, there might be some rocky spots that you go through, but in my experience, it doesn't mean you've moved the allocation of love from your partner to the new child. I had a moment during our son's oldest birth, I remember watching this labor happen and feeling the deepest unconditional love I've ever felt. It completely overwhelmed and surprised me, the capacity for that love to grow in me. And if you're a parent and have more than one child, that win-loss paradigm doesn't make sense when another child comes into the family. I don't love our second son any less than I do our first. In short, that zero-sum game applied to all aspects of life is simply not a viable spiritual path. 
And maybe the relationship and parenting examples I've shared don't resonate for you this morning. So we can look at this in the context of our shared lives in this faith community right here. I know that some of you have felt that the focus just on racial justice has been exclusive and that it has been sort of the winner in the justice arena and other issues of justice have, have felt like they've been the losers. In fact, we heard some of that feedback in the recent racial justice survey that we did. But I want to suggest that it's not a zero-sum game. This fall and early winter, through these very brief testimonials in our worship services, you will meet our seven community partners, folks who are working on ending homelessness, folks who are working on environmental justice, folks who are doing job training and skill building. And those organizations, like us, are doing that work with a racial justice lens. It's a both and, not a win-loss. Our Universalist ancestors, unlike Tertullian, that early Christian from 1800 years ago who believed in a God that rewarded the winners with the view of the suffering losers, our early Universalist ancestors believed in a creator who had abundant love to share with all of the creation. It was not a zero-sum game with only a thousand servings of love and a crowd of 5,000 there was more than enough love for everyone. So what I'm learning from Trump is just how disconnected from my values and my faith and really disconnected from reality this win-loss, zero-sum game paradigm is. What I'm being reminded of, what I'm learning is that in our most intimate spaces, our relationships, our parenting, we seek compromise. We seek win-win scenarios. We see others' interests as our own, and that's what keeps the game going. That's what gives the marriage life. That's what helps our children grow their souls. That is the spiritual path that builds strength, that feeds the third body, that larger thing that we're a part of. When the third body wins, we all win. Trump is teaching me humility and cautioning me against winner and loser thinking. He's teaching me to care deeply about the whole of this country and particularly in the context of this campaign about my white siblings who feel ignored and angry and forgotten. Trump is teaching me to ask different questions, to steer away from the question of how can my candidate, whoever that candidate is, win and crush the opponent, but rather to ask how can our democracy win? How can human rights win? How can our constitution win? How can we create the country that is yet to be? These are questions about the larger body we are a part of. These are questions that help us feed and care for that larger body. When we bring a religious lens to the zero-sum game, we see that love simply can't fit in the box of zero-sum. We see that love is in fact boundless and that it is a distortion of reality to divide the world up into winners and losers, whether that's by walls or race or gender. A religious lens helps us see that we are in this together and that for a viable, sustainable future, we must seek win-win shared interest solutions. The very kind of solutions that we so often use in our relationships and parenting. So this November, 
as you head to the polls. May you be guided by the deepest values of your faith, values that will help feed and heal our democracy, values that will house the homeless and address the racial disparities we face, values that will bring peace, values that will lift up voices that have been too long silenced, and friends, may you bring to the voting booth those values that will help us restore and redeem the unfulfilled promises of this country. May those, may those values guide you in these days and the days to come. May it be so, and amen.